Hi everyone and welcome to Making Ways. I'm Rob Goodman and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show where we'll be talking to creative people of all walks about the unexpected ways they got to where they are in their careers. A little bit about me, I've been an artist my whole life and my passion for music was my gateway into the marketing world. I worked for Sony Music for several years developing artists and building campaigns to get the music that people would love into their hands. And then I hopped over to Simon & Schuster and ultimately was leading online marketing there, creating campaigns and strategies to help get stories that people would love in front of them. And I never would have thought that going into publishing would be my gateway into the world of technology, but that's what happened. Google found me and I ended up moving from New York to San Francisco to lead global marketing for digital publishing. Today, I run my own marketing company called Openverse, and I've made more time for the things that I love, like music and art again. And on the show, we'll be hearing from lots of people, writers, artists, entrepreneurs, marketers, photographers, about the story of how they came to be in their career. And I really hope it inspires you to either take those first steps in a creative career that you'll love, or maybe make a change in your current job. There's no blueprint for a creative career like there is with becoming a lawyer or a doctor. So by listening to the show, I hope that you get some lessons that will set that plan for you and at least give you some tips on your journey ahead. A little bit about our sponsor today. General Assembly is an incredible organization. They have campuses all over the globe, and they're a continuing education organization for people who really want to upgrade their skills or learn a new craft or get into a new industry. They offer classes in digital marketing, in user design, in typography, in coding, and so much more. So check out General Assembly. Just type General Assembly into your browser and then put a dot right before the L-Y in assembly, and you'll get right there. I'm really excited that you're tuning in. We've got an incredible guest today. It's Rob Meyerson. Rob is the principal and founder of his own branding agency called Heirloom. And he spent time at a ton of different uh, agencies doing brand work and strategy. He even was in a leadership role for brand architecture at HP. And Rob is a specialist when it comes to naming. So if you have ever had to name your company or a product or a feature, Rob is somebody that companies bring in to, to help them along that path and uh, in a really systematic way. But what I love about Rob's career is that who would have thought that naming things is in and of itself a career out there for someone who's creative and into marketing and into strategy. Listen in, and uh, I'm excited to hear what you think of the conversation. So let's get to the show. Rob, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Rob. Is this going to get confusing with us calling each other Rob? Uh, I, it probably will. <laughs> Good luck. Good maybe, luck, listeners. Maybe we should uh, change names just for the purpose of today's uh, conversation. So uh, you were saying before you love Chinese food so much that you moved to China. I did. And in, uh, in 2009, shortly after I got married, my wife and I just picked up, quit our jobs, moved to China. Um, it was a little bit crazy. but And no, we did not move there entirely because we love Chinese food. But that was... Uh, I got to admit that factored in. I love I love Asian food. 
What were you doing in China and how long were you there? I was there for a little over a year. I was working for a small, uh, well, at the time, small brand consulting firm based in Shanghai. Um, and my Chinese is not very good. I wanted to learn Chinese, uh, which was another reason I moved there. Um, but because of that, I was mostly helping Western clients uh, try to figure out how to build their brands in China. So I was doing business in, in English mostly. Tell us what it means to be a brand strategist and how you approach branding. I found out about branding. Um, I, I fell into it. I think a lot of people do fall into it. Um, I was leaving Berkeley. I, I was getting a, a master's degree there in something called cognitive science. Um, I had studied psychology before that and thought that I wanted to go into academics. And then once I got a, a better, clearer picture of what uh, that life would look like, um, it just didn't appeal to me. It, it didn't, um, you know, a lot of great things about it, but it, it just, uh, it didn't excite me as much as I had thought it might. Um, luckily I had a friend who worked in branding and she put me in touch with a firm called Interbrand, um, the San Francisco office. Uh, and I just sort of, you know, was willing to do anything and, and took a job there. So what it turns out it is, <laughs> is, uh, is helping companies of all sizes, all industries, um, figure out how to talk about themselves, basically. Sometimes that's, um, you know, they, they have a great story and they just haven't figured out how to articulate it. Sometimes it's a new brand and you're sort of constructing the story as the company is constructing itself, which is also pretty interesting. Um, so I, I've been doing that for over a decade and there are a lot of different kind of pieces of it, but, um, but that's what it is at a, you know, at a 30,000 foot level. And when you were growing up, what were you, what were you interested in? I mean, I'm curious what the path is for someone to get to ultimately brand. Yeah. I, and I can, I think I can tell you about this, not only from my own story, but from having interviewed a lot of people looking to do what I do, um, from hiring, uh, different agencies and, and, and in-house um, brand teams. And what I've, what I've seen is that a lot of people who get into this field have pretty eclectic backgrounds. Um, and I, I think I do too. So I, I grew up interested in music, certainly playing music, um, art a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was drawing from a young age and took a lot of art and painting classes. Um, but also pushing myself pretty hard academically. Both I mentioned academia before. Both of my parents are teachers. Um, my brother is a computer scientist who was a professor for a long time. So the family business, if you can call it that, is is you know you get your your PhD or something like that, and you go become a professor and do research or, or teach. Um, so those two things kind of conflicted a little bit for me, I think, and that. You know, I, I don't know that I ever thought seriously that art or music was a career option for me, which is now I think looking back is kind of sad that I, I didn't take it more seriously in that in that regard. Um, but as a result, I ended up having some hobbies that I was passionate about and then also really kind of pushing myself academically. And so I guess I ended up with this sort of hodgepodge of skills um, where, you know, I wasn't I guess it's sort of like uh, jack of all trades, master of none, which turns out to be pretty useful uh, in branding uh, or in really probably a lot of kinds of consulting where there's a lot of diversity in terms of 
uh, the different types of companies that you're working with. So what was your first job after, after school? And then where did you go from there? After grad school? Yeah. It was uh, Interbrand, San Francisco, and I was the lowest man on the totem pole. I was uh, supporting business development. So I was writing proposals, formatting PowerPoint decks, literally uh, binding proposal decks that were printed, um, just doing all of that, trying to help uh, bring in new clients. But one of the things that I got to do, um, we had a small naming team. We had two people um, that headed up the naming team and um, they were naming companies, naming products uh, for clients. And because it was such a small team, they had this sort of all hands on deck approach. And so even though I was this kid that they didn't really know much about what my skill set was, they were open to me just sort of pitching some ideas to them on a, on a couple of projects. And they, they turned out to like some of those ideas um, and so started using me more regularly. So that became uh, one of my favorite parts of the job, even though it wasn't really in my, in my job title. Is naming something that's common within agencies, like to having a naming department? <clears throat> yes and no. Yes to the first part of your question. Naming is, is pretty common as a, um, as a deliverable or as something that, that a brand consultancy would do. Having a, a separate department for it is, is more rare. Interbrand, where I worked uh, straight out of grad school, and then I actually came back and worked at Interbrand again uh, more recently. They're one of the few firms that I know of that really has a, a naming team and that it's, it's, it's actually pretty large. Um, at a lot of other places, they either don't have it, they just fold it in with their brand strategy team, or they'll have it, but it'll be you know one or two people or something like that. So after kind of getting good feedback and input from participating in those naming sessions, like what happened next? So what happened next was I, I moved to another firm uh, called Siegel and Gale down in LA, and that was just for personal reasons. I was moving to be closer to a girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Um, Good choice. Thank you. <laughs> and actually, the head of naming, I, I'll never forget. He he said uh, he said that uh, he said you'll be back in a few months. <laughs> he was like you'll you'll break up with her. You're you're being a, a moron. Don't move down there for some girl. Um, so I got to. Uh, I guess I, I feel like I came out on top at the end of that one. You sent him a, a wedding invitation. <laughs> exactly. Just as a proof of. Yeah. Proof of success on my mission. Right. Um, so I moved down to LA and I, I took on a similar role. I hadn't been in the industry very long. I couldn't really, I wasn't ready to take a step up. So I was still kind of in that uh, business development support role. Um, but this was a bigger office and there was less of a need for that all hands on deck approach I mentioned. So I didn't get to do as much of that, um, naming work or, or really anything else. So what I did was I called, um, the head of naming from Interbrand San Francisco and I said, I really miss doing this stuff. Do you think I could help you still, or could I moonlight somehow and do this for other firms? Um, and he said, sure, there are a lot of people who do that. There are freelance namers, um, who get paid by the hour or even by the name, by the idea. You know, you send in your 50 ideas and get paid a couple of bucks per idea. Um, and so this was extra money on the side for me. And um, I said, that sounds great. And I started doing that pretty, pretty aggressively, I think. Actually, I, I, I sort of did a lot of internet research on different firms that did naming all over the world. Um, I did naming for firms in... Eastern Europe and, and Asia, just all via email and the occasional phone or Skype call. Um, 
and and that was yeah both both that outside source of income or that additional source of income as well as a great training ground for for naming today working with startups which i know you do you work with bigger companies you work with startups i think a lot of companies are focused on well if we make a brilliant product if it if people are really excited about it that's enough to differentiate yeah what's your perspective on the way brand fits in to products today for me i think the problem actually starts with separating brand from business or brand from product. I think they belong together to begin with. Um, branding, the second you start thinking of brand or branding as a separate thing is when it becomes more of, there's an expression, lipstick on the pig, right? Um, and so even if your product isn't a pig, it still shouldn't be lipstick. It shouldn't just be uh, the, the, the superficial aspects of, of what it looks like or what it sounds like. It should be deeply ingrained into why did you create this in the first place? And, and how does it work? Um, who is it for? All of those questions, that's all part of the brand. Um, and so the brand, the way I think of it is it's really just the, the identity of the company or the product. And when I, you know, a lot of people, even in our industry, use identity to mean something like logo. When I think of it, I think of a, a person's identity, which for you or for me, it's it's our family history, it's our values, it's our personality, it's all these things that go deeper than just what we look like or, or height and weight and these things that you might equate to a logo or a typeface or a color palette. Um, and so, yeah, I think for some products, a lot of the quote-unquote brand comes through the product. Um, for others, it really does come a lot through communications and, and things like that. And when you meet with a team, I'd love for you to walk through maybe a cheat sheet of steps um, that a startup, maybe a one-person startup, a two-person startup could start thinking through so that yeah. brand is a little bit more integrated from the moment they start conceiving of a product. Well, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's, it relates back to what I said earlier about identity. So um, it's, it's not, these are not easy questions to answer, which is why... Um, people get paid to, to be consultants and help answer them. But it, it is those deep questions of why are you starting a business? Why are you really doing it? Um, and to make money for yourself is probably not the best answer in this regard. I mean, there should be um, some need out there that you're trying to fill. Um, so that's a question. Um, how are you going to do it differently if it's something that somebody else is already doing? Um, and you should be able to answer these questions. So really, they're, they're sort of fundamental business planning type questions um, that you should be answering anyway. Uh, so I would start there and then just ensure that when you get your answers, and I, and I would force yourself to write them down, to think about the word choice. I would test them out on your friends or your spouse or, or whoever it is to, to see if, if not only the idea, but the way you're conveying the idea is, is resonating um, You're talking about the name of the product, but also just the words you use to describe it. Just yeah, more more of the words, like the pitch, basically. Um, and so it's simultaneously the the concept itself and the expression of the concept. Those two things are you know need to be really um, neatly uh, integrated. And then once you've got that straight, it just it's just about consistency, for, especially at the beginning. It's just making sure that. The name that you choose, the if you hire someone to do a logo, or if you put up a website and you write something about yourself on the website, 
that all of that just tells that same story again and again and again. And, and when a company brings you in to help with this process, what are the first steps you take with them? Is it a workshop? Yeah. Is it interviews? Is it some kind of sure. form fill? Yeah. Um, it, it is the typical first step is what uh, I or, or any consultant would call like immersion or discovery. So it is, uh, like you said, a workshop or interviews. It depends on the size of the company and the culture of the company. Personally, I really like one-on-one -on -one interviews because I feel like even if it's a six-person team, you do six interviews, you get six slightly different stories, even if they're really aligned. Um, and a lot of the the service that I feel like I can bring is even just sharing that back and saying, here's where you guys are or aren't aligned, or here's where there's some slight nuance to how you're describing things that maybe we'd need to tease out as a, as a team. Um, but certainly workshops can work really well for the same thing. Um, so that's usually step one is, is really just information gathering. And, and that I should say that information gathering needs to take uh, a couple of different, uh, it needs to come from a couple of different directions. So one is what we've described, which is understanding the, the company and the people at the company and their sort of vision or, or just who they are. The other two really important ones are learning as much as we can about the customers or potential customers. Um, and often you'd be surprised a lot of, especially young businesses have not really put any effort into who are these people that we think are going to buy our, our product. Um, so trying to get a feel for who they are, uh, you know, whether that's demographically or what their sort of needs are or what they hate about the other products that are already out there. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then the third is the competition, really figuring out who else is trying to, to do what you're doing. Um, and so looking at the cross section of those three areas and then, and then sort of presenting that back, working with the team collaboratively to sort of figure out what the most salient parts of those findings are. So you have to work with them, but then you, you sort of look at those three set three areas and find something that ideally that you feel like this brand can own. That's true to who these people are and what they're trying to do. That's interesting to customers, compelling, relevant, and that's also unique or at least, and this is where you get to kind of the, the sort of the depth or, or lack of depth in, in branding that I think a lot of people complain about. It's either truly unique and you, and you, and your job is just to highlight that or, or talk about it in a way that's interesting, or sometimes it's less unique as a product or as an offering. And it's more about maybe how can we put a different spin on um, the way that we present ourselves. Hi guys, I wanna to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. And they've got a campus here in San Francisco and they have campuses all across the country and even across the globe. You can take classes at nights, on the weekends, during the week they have intensives. So if you're in a job, you can actually study on the side or if you're in between jobs, take a course there. And I've had friends that have taken classes and have really transformed their careers, going from print designers to UX designers who work in mobile and web. And at General Assembly, you can take coursework around digital marketing, typography, coding, UX design, SEO, data science. There's just so much you can do there. And what I love about the organization is they also offer career tools so that after you go through these programs and 
trainings and you graduate, they actually know people in those industries that you can connect with and even give you inroads to your next job. So check out General Assembly, just type out General Assembly in your browser and then put a dot before the LY in Assembly and you'll go right to their website. And I encourage you all to sign up for one of their free events. They offer events every week and you can go to one of these things, learn about a course that you might want to take and actually interact and ask questions of people who are working in that industry or profession that you're interested in. Alright, let's get back to the show. Is there something from your experiences working in Asia that you feel you've brought back to the States? That's a, a bit of a unique perspective on things. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I've, I named my firm heirloom. Um, and I get the question a lot as a namer, why did you name your firm heirloom? I think the, the seed for that idea, it, it comes from a client in Singapore. Um, I worked with a very large bank there. Um, and had the pleasure of working directly with the CEO, who was a third-generation uh, CEO or, or leader of that company. His grandfather founded it, um, and now it's one of the bigger banks in Singapore. So he's, you know, it, it's a multi-billion-dollar company. He's uh, incredibly wealthy and uh, wears suits that uh, cost more than I make in in a year, <laughs> but super like just a really nice guy and working with him was such an incredible experience because despite all of the success that he had had already and you know frankly been born into some of that but you could feel his desire to get it right and and almost his i mean fear is not the right word but he didn't want i mean he wanted to do his grandfather proud and so there was this totally different feeling that you get from working on that than you do from working for a big conglomerate where your client might be the nicest person in the world, but they're doing their job. It's not their grandfather's company. So this, this client, um, I mean, the, the project was fascinating for a lot of reasons, not the least of which was when I did get to meet with him one-on-one -on -one and, and just sense that, that feeling of, of wanting to get it right for those reasons that was really powerful for me. And, and so while I don't necessarily only want to work with clients where it's a family business, I, I for, that was meaningful to me from a brand standpoint. And that I, I do want, I do think it's, it's a good habit for people running businesses to think about their brands as, and to think about their businesses as, as things that they want to last for a long time, even if they don't, you know, even if they have a exit strategy and they're planning on, on selling in a year. But if you want to build a strong brand, I think you need to really think long term. And I think, you know, it's a pleasure to to work with people who who think about their business, um, who, who just take it more seriously and more personally and want it to succeed for all the right reasons, as opposed to just being there to, to do their day job. So what were you doing leading up to launching your own company? And what was your thought process in kind of leaving the corporate world to strike out on your own? I had thought about starting my own thing, you know, for a long time, just as a, as an idea in the back of my head while I was at agencies, it, it got more real when I got back to the U S after living in Asia. Uh, I, I thought, uh, I thought I might give it a shot, but what, what I was doing 
just prior to, to really starting this firm was I was the head of naming and brand architecture at HP. And when I interviewed for that job, I, this thought was getting so serious for me that I actually told the woman I was interviewing with who became my manager that I wanted to do this. And I said, what if I, um, what if I came to work for you four days a week and the fifth day I could, I could do that. And she, uh, she sort of laughed and said, no, <laughs> um, I need you five days a week. But then she said, if you want to do that, if you have time outside of the five days a week and it's not affecting your job. And of course, if you're not consulting with competition to HP, uh, go for it. And I don't even, I don't know if she expected me to take it as seriously as I did. But the second she said that, I thought, okay, I'm going to use my time with a, frankly, with a full-time job and a salary to, to start building this. And, and how so, long did you kind of build it on nights and weekends? Um, uh, not quite a year, I think, well, maybe a year. And, and that was naming it, putting the website up, uh, starting to talk to friends and old clients about what I was doing. Uh, there was all the you know, registering a business, forming an LLC, trying to figure out how to pay taxes. And now that you've been doing it for a little while, you know, detached after leaving HP, how are you thinking about uh, being on your own versus, you know, living this life of kind of career corporate position, the security and safety <laughs> of that? Yeah. Um, how's it been? It's been amazing. I love it. It's, but I also think I've been lucky. And so it's hard to say if I would be quite as rose, paint as rosy of a picture of it if I hadn't been as lucky. It's been less than a year still, uh, but it's been a, a good year so far. And I really like, I like the diversity of it a lot. I like the sort of ownership that I have over it. Not only the 100% control I have over all decision making, but also the, the necessity to do all the work and the, the things that I used to rely on other people to do, the constant sort of networking and, and the fact that when I go to lunch with an old friend now, it's, uh, I don't know, this might sound bad, but it's, it's both lunch with an old friend and it's work sort of because maybe that friend has a friend who might, uh, you know, need something that I could help out with. I feel like there's a lot of that sort of killing three birds with one stone or I'll take any phone call, basically. I mean, it might be a, a job lead for me. It might be something I could refer somebody else for, or it might just be a, a connection. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm loving it. I do think the lack of secure income is a little bit nerve-wracking, but that's a price that, for now at least, I'm willing to pay. And if you could go back and give, give yourself advice, kind of your younger self, about how to get better prepared for this kind of this kind of job, this kind of career, what, what might you have done differently? Well, I mean, if you want to go way back and, and something that I'm going to try to impart on, on my kids, it's, I think I mentioned it earlier that I, I didn't know that branding was a job or maybe I didn't mention that, but I think a lot of people don't. Um, and certainly naming even more of a niche within branding, people don't know that that's a job. And the older I've gotten and the more people I've met, around the world, the more I realize that almost any interest, if you're passionate enough about it, can be turned into not only a job, but probably a pretty decent job if you're good at it. You know, and if you put in the work and, and if you can afford to get maybe the right education. So it's not easy necessarily, but there are things like music um, that 
I think I sort of discounted because I didn't necessarily want to put in the work or, or maybe didn't have the talent, I didn't think, to become a great musician. There are probably like 10,000 jobs, just completely different job titles in the music industry that might have been great for me. And that just didn't, it didn't occur to me. Um, so, so the I advice think, being focus on what you're passionate about and there's likely a position out there where you could put that to work. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, and it's a little bit trite, but I, I think even though I heard that all growing up, it still didn't occur to me that the diversity of, of good jobs that are, 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 you know, good different types of jobs that are out there in the world. Well, Rob, thanks so much for coming by today. It was great chatting with you and thanks so much again. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. All right, guys, that was the conversation with Rob. Guys, definitely check out Rob's company, Heirloom Agency, and the website's heirloomagency.com. And I want to thank again our sponsor, General Assembly. They're an incredible organization with classes you can take during the week, at nights, on weekends. They even have free events. And it's such a great chance to put a toe in the water and see if that career that's been itching you or that job or that skill that you've wanted to learn is something that you actually want to pursue. So I encourage you all to go to their website. Just type in General Assembly into your browser and then put a dot before the LY. You'll get right there. Sign up for one of their free events. You get to mix and mingle with people working in that industry. Learn a little bit about a course before you dive in and take it. And I'm excited to hear what you guys think. And special thanks to my friends and family and supporters who have been so giving with their time and their input and their feedback. We could not have launched this show without all of your support. And if you like what you heard today, a really great way you can support the show is by going to iTunes and putting in a review. That's really an incredible way for people to discover the show. So I encourage you to do that. And you can learn more about me and about the show and even check out illustrations and articles about each of our guests at makingways.co. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our music is by The Sandworms. And we've got some music from Jim Heffernan in there as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and have a great week.